Hey, good evening, everybody. It's the SCB Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. We're very glad to be uh, part of the Variety Sports Network as well. And uh, you last saw us, uh, I think we had about a three-hour show on uh, the first round night of the draft. and uh, We had a few we, drinks. We, we had a few drinks, uh, and we've recovered. And we're going to uh, get you through our thoughts on the rest of the draft. We'll we'll touch on uh, uh, Mr. Broderick Jones again as well. Now that we've sobered up a little bit, at least for a few minutes. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, good to be back. Good to see everybody. Uh, Mr. Scarpino is here, and Ian is here. Ben, we understand is having some technical difficulties, which means he probably spilled his tequila on his laptop or something um i i'm not totally sure but uh scarps uh, just real quick uh, does your appearance uh tonight does that mean that uh casey Kasem is here oh yeah i just i i forgot i did it like 10 minutes ago so. oh that's okay your 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 on the fly ones are usually pretty good Oh yeah, he's he's here. He, he's he, Casey. Okay. You know, Casey's like Jesus. He's always with you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what an analogy! All right, so we've had a biblical reference in the first two minutes. Uh, I mean, with that, we're was, off well, we just lost. A, we just lost. A true, we, I was just say we just lost a follower. Uh, Scarps, but check not your Jesus. Con- anyway, just yeah. let me shut up. I'm not even drinking. Yeah, your connections are goofy right now. Oh so my. Just- they're they're a little delayed, uh, so just check that out. But uh, anyway, welcome in to everybody that's uh, watching the live show, and uh, welcome everybody who takes the time to watch the show on your own time or to listen on your own time. Either way, we love it and glad to have you. Our audience continues to keep on growing, and uh, hey, we know we're not for everybody, but we love the people that we're for. I can tell Somehow you. people stuck with us for that three-hour show on draft night. I, I was with us at the end of the show. I was stunned. There was, was still about a dozen people left after almost three hours. The, the draft had ended. Uh, we we were in the bag to say the least. Um, and and the fact that people were still with us and and had been pretty much through the beginning uh, to the end was truly remarkable. Yeah. And it says a hell of a lot more about you folks than it does about us. I can tell you that much. Um, it, by the way, Ian, uh, look what I picked up. Oh, that uh, is. Uh, have you tried I, it yet? I haven't. It's the oh, maiden voyage right now. Are you going to open it now? It's, yes. Oh, yes. man. I, for, for those listening, I yes. picked up some redemption rye that Ian has been going on about. And it is uh, so smooth. The finish on it is incredible. Have have you seen the redemption uh in a rum cask? No, I haven't. I'll have to look for that. I saw it, it was right next to this. I had my hand on it and I thought, okay, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna do the rye first, and then I'm gonna come back to this because that looks spectacular. Yeah. Um, but yes, maiden voyage for this for me tonight. And all their stuff is pretty reasonably priced. So oh, very yeah. reasonably priced. I, I think I got this for 26 bucks. Wow. No, I think yeah. I think it was around 30 here, but yeah, yeah. I mean I, anything I picked under it up, 35 uh, is usually pretty solid. Uh Branch, I had a soccer tournament uh in uh, suburban Chicago, so I swung through the fine state of Indiana uh and uh hit the the, the fine 
establishments there. Uh, but anyway, um, so Ben will be joining us. Like I said, I, I don't really know what he's got going on right now. Some kind of technical difficulty. Uh, but again, welcome into everybody Hi, Aaron. here. Aaron's here. Chris is in. Burner's in. And uh, again, if you're if you're just hanging back, you don't want to get in the comment section. You don't have to, but we'd love to have you. And uh, anyway, so just your overall thoughts, uh, Ian, just on the uh, the Steelers draft, uh, considering they didn't have that fifth or sixth round pick. Uh, I mean, how are you feeling a week later? I'm really happy with it. I mean, you know, obviously we'll see in a couple of years how the guys actually play on the field, but you know, I felt like they did about as good as they could have with the picks that they had. Um, you know, they were able to move down in the third round, get the fourth round pick back that they traded to move up and get Broderick Jones. Essentially, I mean, yep. it was basically a yeah. 13, 13 yeah. pick swing, but they still got Darnell Washington in the third round who was a guy that we were talking about as a potential late first round pick. And I thought a lot of other people were, and it was kind of weird when he was dropping because, you know, there were some reports floating out there that he might have a knee injury and that (laughs) isn't it so smooth. Well, I got this. I I just tried on your face when you tried the the whiskey was just like, and I didn't mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you because I knew I was eventually going to, but um, I, there's this little burn and you expect it to continue and it doesn't. And it's a really smooth finish. So smooth. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, not only do the Bradshaw people need to pay us, but now the redemption people need to pay us. Anyway, why I've been raving about this now. It's, it's delicious. It's It's, really, really good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, There was talk that Darnell Washington, you know, potentially had a medical issue with his knee, which was why he was falling in the draft. But then afterwards, he was like, I've never had a problem with my knee. I've never like sprained anything in it. Um, So, you know, overall, I'm pretty happy with the draft as a whole. We got a really darn good player in the late third round in Washington. We got two good players in the second round. Um, You know, I think and I'll address the elephant in the room because we kind of talked around on Joey Porter Jr. on the show. Overall, I'm I'm really happy that we were able to get him where we did. I you know I felt like originally I felt like 17 was always a bit rich for him, but 32 I was really happy with getting him there because I didn't think he would be there. Um, and really, my my issue with Joey Porter Jr. as a prospect was that I felt you know he was was grabby and was prone to committing penalties. That said, he has some traits that you can't teach. You can teach out grabbiness with good coaching. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You can't teach a guy to have long arms and be fast and be tall. Like Joey Porter Jr. has those three things. So he has the raw traits. He's not going to come in and be an all pro the first year. He's not going to come in and shut down Jamar Chase the first year. But he has the tools to be coachable to uh, you know succeed in this league and be a very good player for the Steelers. And not only that, we've talked a lot on this show about needing guys in that locker room that get it and get what it means to be a Steeler. And he's been in that locker room. He's been on the field when the confetti's been falling in a Super Bowl. I I think, you know, yeah, we got some darn good players in this draft, but he's one of those guys who can get it of of what it means to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's a, a... great guy as far as his charity work and stuff in the community um i know he's been very involved with a a, an autism and disability foundation um so you know it seems like we're getting a great human being along with a a very 
good football player that has a lot of upside. We just got to yeah. kind of coach yeah. the grabbiness out of him. But really, the the kid we picked in the seventh round, Trice from Purdue, had some of the same issues. He's tall, he's long, he's fast, but he's grabby. So you know, if we can teach that out of those guys, we might land two decent cornerbacks in this. Yeah. Year. Yeah, so what what the plan is is we'll uh, I'm gonna have Scarps give me his thoughts here, and then we'll we'll kind of go through these pick by pick and just talk about some of the the good, the bad, the pro, the con, all that kind of stuff. But uh, Scarps, you you've had a week to to kind of uh, let this whole thing simmer. How how you feeling about all this? I mean, it looks it looks good on paper, um, you know. And and I, we've we've talked. I, I've tweeted this, and we've talked in our in our in our group text about it that you know you really truly can't evaluate a draft or a trade no. for for a while so and i know i i know it's hard to not formulate an opinion right away and die on that hill but you got to just take a step back and, and look at what they drafted on paper and paper's one thing mm-hmm. and we talk about that potential um and potential is just another term for haven't achieved anything yet um and you know, I, I I was on you know I've said on the show many times that I did I, I did like Joey Porter Jr. at seventeen. Never said I didn't like him at thirty two. Um, and and I think that you know I, I found that whole whole scenario very interesting because um, you know the, I think the Steelers truly had an opportunity to trade out of thirty two, mm-hmm. trade back, mm-hmm. and the fact that they stayed put makes me believe that they had a hunch that Joey Porter Jr. was going to go within, I don't know, five, six picks, something like that. I, I yeah. think they truly believe that. And, you know, hindsight's 2020. I'm sure they could have, they should, they could have gotten, you know, a couple, you know, probably some more, some more later picks for it, but, but, I, but I'm fine with it. Um, you know, I, I would just, I would say, you know, I, I don't, we'll go pick by pick here, but I, it, yeah. it looks good on, it looks good on paper. It really does. I just, you know, you got to wait and see, man. And, and, and as much as, you know, as much as I told, I told you the guys this earlier, I, you know, it's a blessing and a curse to, to have your dad be Joey Porter because he is so ingrained in Steelers history, especially mm-hmm. those are, you know, Super Bowl 40 run, yeah. uh, you know, they shot at me in Denver. Um, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I'm, I mean, like, like, you know, I'm just saying like, like that's just like yeah. so ingrained in, in Steelers history. And, and I, unfortunately, you know, he's always going to be measured. He's always going to be measured by, was he as successful as his dad? And and that's not fair, but you know, the video between him and Joey, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and you know, you just, you just, you just never know what's, you just never know what can happen with these picks. So let's just, you know, see what happens and then evaluate it in a couple seasons. I, you know, my, my thoughts are, are very similar to, to both of you. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't want Joey Porter at, at 17. I, I just, it just didn't look right to me. And I, I wasn't overly thrilled when they took him at 32. And, and, and part of it was for some of the reasons that Ian laid out in terms of the grabbiness. It's kind of stiff at times. I, I didn't want that that pressure that Ryan, you talked about that, you know, he's got to live up to his dad. He's, he's got to be good. And, you know, and then he kind of took Ike Taylor's number 24 and it's like, geez, you know, the kids just piling the pressure on himself. Um, But, but as the week has gone by, uh, first of all, you can't argue with the position. They needed a corner and, and you can't argue with that. And, and, you know, so I went back and I was looking at, at some of the guys that were drafted right after Porter. 
you know, and Ian, you referred to the, the possibility of a trade down. I mean, it, you know, the, the Titans took Levis, the Lions took tight end Laporta out of Iowa. Then the tight end mayor went out of uh, Notre Dame to, to da- uh, excuse me, to the Raiders. Uh, Steve Avila was a guy I liked, but he probably, I mean, guard center, it, you know, and so you just keep going. I mean, Jonathan Mingo was a guy, he goes eighth in the second round. He's a guy I had us in the third round. You know, and and so when I go back and look at this, I think it ultimately was the right pick, um, and and I just don't think there was any anywhere else they could have gone there in that position. They're getting a first round talent at at the top of the second round. You Obviously, hope. you hope. Oh yeah, yeah. And and, and believe me, um, I, I I was probably asked a dozen times in the last week. Well, how'd you think the draft went? And I give a standard answer every damn time. Ask me in two or three years, and I'll tell you how I think the draft went. Uh, when I see these guys play, when I when I see who stays healthy, when I see uh, what what they can do as coaches, and and how these guys you know handle being professional football players, because everybody handles it differently, uh, and and everybody knows that. So yeah, I'm I'm excited about the draft. I I think. They attacked it well. They got the spots they needed. Um, and and so, therefore, you know, let, let's just tie into Broderick Jones uh, for a minute. The Steelers essentially got Jones really for nothing because, as Ian pointed out, they eventually got the pick back, um, you know, with the trade with the trade down. Um, so I, it, I'll ask you this, Ian. Does Jones start week one? Have you had a chance to rethink that at all? <laughs> I I think, oh boy, I I will say I think he starts week one of the regular season. I don't think he starts week one of the preseason. Um, that I I think Dan Moore starts week one of the preseason, but I think, you know, kind of like what we've seen with some other guys as the preseason goes on, I think it's going to become pretty evident that it's Broderick Jones's position, um, and. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Dan Moore will be served just fine as the sixth offensive lineman that could potentially come in in a goal line set. He could, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, be that extra tackle. He could be a swing tackle if if someone gets hurt. Dan Moore is a fine player to have on your bench to be able to bring in as an extra tackle. But I think uh, eventually, yeah, I think I think Broderick Jones starts week one. There, there, there was a comment, I, and I think Mark Cabali at the Athletic might have made this today. He he said, you know, the thing with Porter is Porter's going to get a lot of uh, drills. He's going to get a lot of action. He, he he's going to get a lot of reps and stuff against receivers, mm-hmm. both both in the mini camp and then early on in in training camp. But he made the the point about Broderick Jones though. He might not actually have aggressive contact with a player until training camp, you know. And I thought, eh, you know, they'll still do some things at mini camp. But I see what his point is, yeah. um, and so that's why, to what your point was, maybe he starts a little slow in the preseason. But I just, I just don't know how he's not the guy uh by by week one or two uh scarps are are, and some of that if i can just build on that too to your point you know the the first week of the preseason usually the first string either the veterans don't play 
or the first string plays very little. So, you know, I could see it as a situation where, yeah, Broderick Jones doesn't get a lot of full contact. So they're like, we're going to start Dan Moore. He's going to play, you know, maybe the first quarter, and then Broderick's going to come in and play the second and the third quarter or play the whole second half just to get him more reps. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they may look at it that way of, you know, let's let's get this guy more reps with the backups because in the first preseason game, the backups play more reps than the starters do. So absolutely, I, I wouldn't put too much weight in what happens in the preseason. I, I I do think he starts week one. Okay, Scarps. Yeah, um, I I this 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 piqued my interest the other the, the other day. I think it might have been yesterday. And since since two thousand, there have only been five. Steelers rookie offensive lineman to start week one hmm. and it's Kendra Green and Dan Moore in Buffalo in 2021 mm-hmm. Chooks by necessity in, somewhat yes, yes. yeah right Chooks in Cleveland in 2018 yeah Pouncey at home against Atlanta in 2010 and then Marvell Smith no, no DeCastro got, no, got hurt oh that's right in that that's preseason right. game in Buffalo yeah. and then oh, Marvell right. Smith in I think 2000, yeah, against the Bengal. I don't remember that one. Sorry, I, my my mind slipping me. But and we'll forgive you on that one. But you know, Ian brings up a good point about and 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 maybe as 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 I get older and the Steelers, and the Steelers get younger, shit. When I worked there, like nobody played that first preseason game because everybody there was old. Like everybody, right. like now, like right. now you look at it, it's like okay on defense. Minka won't play, Cam won't play, TJ won't play, maybe Larry Ogunjobi won't play. Oh, man, everybody else is young. Like, and okay, yeah. on offense, they probably won't, especially after what happened last year. I don't think they'll, they'll like, Nodge won't play, but, mm-hmm. but everybody else is so young. So, like, I mean, Dan Moore is only a couple years older than Broderick Jones. So, like, I really don't know. I really don't know, you know, what, and it's way too early to predict, but. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Broderick Jones doesn't start right away. Um, you know, we used to talk about on defense, like if you were a rookie on defense, you definitely didn't start. You know, no, nobody ever yeah. started. Oh, but, yeah. now, no. but now I also look at it as, you know, maybe, you know, even, and, and people were saying like, well, it was an aggressive move by the Steelers to move up to get him. I don't think it was that aggressive. I think it was there. Like, I think it, it was a right choice. It's not like they... They moved the they scorched earth and gave up everything to move right, up to right. get Paris Johnson. Yeah. Like he was right there. So, you know, you know, yeah. I so, don't know. Plus, I don't we, think... we had some help from the hoodie too. Oh yeah, <laughs> you Just, know? I mean, like I mean, what, you talk about like ultimate dick move. That's how they're. <laughs> and then like they interviewed him. they interviewed like one of their one of their player personnel execs, and he wasn't even like he wasn't even shy about it. Like like he basically like without saying it was like yeah we did that to do that. But you know we'll, we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Broderick Jones didn't start. Um, yeah. but but then again too, I, and I I want to make this. I want to make this clear, even though the SEC is the best conference in, in college, people don't understand the difference between college and the pros at that level. Like like TJ Watt and Max Crosby, we're just naming some edges right now, mm-hmm. but TJ Watt and Max Crosby are about a billion times better than Joe Smith from 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 Ole Miss coming at you yeah, from the edge. I'm point. just saying, like, I'm just saying. So, like, you know, what, you know, 
some of the flaws that you can get away with in college, you can't get away with that in the NFL. Like they talked yeah. about Broderick Jones has quick feet. Okay. That's all fine and dandy, but does he have quick feet for the NFL or does he have quick feet for, for college? Like there's just, there's still an adjustment there. Like it's not as simple as just like, Oh, he's just going to plug, you know, plug him in and it'll do it. But the good thing is, is they actually have depth on the line for, for once. Right. And, right. and, you know, shit, I mean, Thanks, Claude. Appreciate you. Um, but yeah, like I just, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't hate it if he didn't start. But I mean, I would also say Dan Moore should be on a short leash, like if he if if yeah. Jones is prepared. Um, you know, I know in the chat, Burner asked a question about you know is his weakness pass blocking. I I don't think we know if he has a weakness yet because you know at Georgia, I mean, he didn't give up a sack this past year. Uh, I think he had what one penalty and it was a false start. I think you know, so. Yeah. 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 So, so he, he, he's pretty solid in, in all areas, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he doesn't have maybe a deficiency, but I, I just don't think we'll see that until as is pointed out, he starts going up against top notch NFL pass rushers. Well, and, and remember too, Jones was only a red shirt sophomore. Yeah. He's 22 years old. So, you know, there, there's going to be some growing pains cause he's a young guy, but he's got, he he's got all pro potential and and really it's just 22 years old i mean he hasn't even grown into his frame yet like he still could you you look at him on tape you're like his hips look kind of slender like he he has he does look awkward doesn't he to kind of grow into his frame still Uh, former basketball player yeah when you look at him he looks like a basketball player. i saw that no i saw that i saw that there was like a video floating around like he shot like a three-pointer like his form was I like looked at him. I was like, I was like, oh, I got a good shooting for it. But then, like, I rewatched it. I looked at his body. I was like, damn, he looks awkward. Like, yeah, kind of yeah. looks like the great Kali from you know WWE back in the day. It was like really <laughs> yeah. big up top, and then like his legs. He had you know, um, but you know, I, I would also go back to the go back to you know we talked about Dan Moore and and uh, Kendrick Green starting on a necessity, right? Yeah. And then I go back to like Pouncey, and I remember like. I remember when we draft, that was my first year. I remember we drafted him and I was like, this, this dude is fucking good, man. Like this yeah. guy's good. But like, just knowing how, knowing how the Steelers operated, I was like, he's not going to start. I was like, Justin Hartwig, like they're, they're not. And then like, literally he, he outplayed Justin Hartwig. Like it was like those first real practices. I was like, Oh Jesus Christ. I was like, I was like, this dude's <laughs> definitely going to start. And, and like, I, so like I said, like, I think I, I, I think Broderick Jones is really going to have to perform at a high level and mm-hmm. put a lot of trust. Uh, coaches are going to have to trust him. Um, and, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. If he doesn't do that right off the bat, he's, he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. There's growing pains. Yep. Um, and, and I, and I think that, you know, he, there's always growing pains when, when you bump oh, up to this level, there's no absolutely. question. The one absolutely. thing I'll add to this conversation about him starting too is, Offensive line, maybe more so than any other position group on the field, relies so much on communication with the people next to you that even if it's suboptimal to start him, it may be worth it to start him just to build that communication between him and Sayamalu. Like we saw this year, they had the same starting line for every game and how much that benefited them over time. Like we've seen in the past, how much communication matters on the offensive line when you get guys who can't communicate with each other. And, you know, 
heck, Dan Moore and Kevin Dotson couldn't communicate a stunt to save their lives, and they started no. next to each other the whole year. Um, but nevertheless, like communication matters so much, and you only get that by just doing more reps next to the guy. Nice. And considering they signed Sam Allo to a three-year deal and drafted Broderick Jones, like that's your future left side of the line. You may just want to get those guys out there and be like, build this rapport together. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm excited about it. He, uh, by the way, for for those that didn't see, he's going to wear number uh, 77. Um, which, uh, if you look back in Steelers lore, and I think uh, Scarps mentioned it, wasn't Marvell? Uh, Marvell Smith's was 77. Yep. Seven. Marcus, Marcus Gilbert too. Marcus Gilbert, of course. Marcus Gilbert so, had a pretty good career here too. Yeah. Well, third round pick, he he did. He had a very nice career. Second. Uh, Right, second. Was second. he second? Yeah, My bad. second. My bad. He, he was, was drafted the DeCastro year because they drafted the That's whole right. right side of the line that year. That's right. No, he was drafted in eleven the year after Pouncey. It was DeCastro then Mike Adams. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Mike okay. Adams. Mike you know, Adams. so I know we're getting into the picks. Are we yeah, going we'll to, go. Are we going to? Are we going to JP Junior now? We are we going to JPJ, baby. Um, so here's another here's another thing about about where they took. Joey Porter Jr. at 32. And Big Ben's burner said this earlier, but it is a great value. And I agree. I think 17 would have been steep. 32 is solid. Um, yeah, 77, Melvin, you're right. That yeah, kid was the kid that was killed. Um, great point. RIP. Yep. Um, when you it's what you do in this league is almost as important as where you where you got drafted. You know, any when you get drafted later and you perform. It's like, oh, he's an overachiever, right? Mm-hmm. When you get drafted high, your expectations are high. But then there's that sort of like middle ground. And Ter- Terrell Edmonds, prime example. If Terrell Edmonds was taken in the second round, I think people would have had a lot different uh, opinion on him. And I still think he, I still think as a first rounder, um, he was available. He was active. Um, I wish him well. Uh, yeah. But somebody like, Somebody with with Joey Porter Jr. not going in the first round, I think there's a little bit less pressure on him than there would have been, because if he went at 17, we're talking like Ooh, huge yeah. pressure, because yeah. then it then it's much more than then it's much more than your you know your dad was was PZ and and you took Ike Taylor's number, but right. um you know I'll tell you this and 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 people might people might not like this, but um if Joey Porter Jr. has a career like Ike Taylor, that is a massive w and 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 i and i know people and this is why i said you got to wait and see you got to wait and see because i don't know if joey porter jr is ever going to be as aggressive right they don't play the same position like 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 Mm -hmm. joey porter jr is not going to be you know maybe he has a celebration but like he's not going to be bringing the heat off the edge it's sacking people he's you know i i I don't think you know he's not gonna be doing the we ride thing like let him just like let him let him yeah i agree agree if i had if i had hands he'd be in, all be in the hall of fame yeah but you know i i think people were already putting these expectations on this kid about like you know like like and i've already seen like you know he's gonna be a ball hawk he's gonna be this and that and i'm just he does think, not have great hands he had one no, reception and it's just like college just, career just he dropped like, a bunch of them yeah. just like christ just like just 
just let the kid let the kid get settled and let him let him do what he got to do. And you know what? Like I said, I said this all the time. Go back and look. People gave Ike Taylor shit all the time, but week in and week out, he lined up with the opponent's number one wideout, and he was one of the only people in this league that ever ever kept AJ Green in check. Yeah, and I'm mm-hmm. telling, and and like like it didn't matter. And you know what? And he had a great coordinator in LeBeau, and he had great coaching. But Ike never shied away from a challenge. Every damn week, that dude went up against your number one. And more often than not, he locked him up. Yeah. I, I, Ocho, too. He shut that guy down yes. all yeah, the time. Yeah, let me make a point real quick, then I'll, I'll let you comment on Porter. It's something that Ryan said that has just driven me absolutely insane all Uh-oh. week. <laughs> well, it, it, it's this rush to anoint these young men, the next, this, the next great, that, uh, Oh, well, you know, we should be in the super bowl in two years. Stop it. Just stop it. Let these guys get coached. Let them get in a locker room of professional athletes. Give them a chance here. I I, look, I'm just as excited about this draft and this season coming up as anybody else. I, I, I think we have every possibility of taking a next step and, and, getting to the postseason this coming season but my god let these guys get fitted for their freaking helmets first uh and and then let's go from there but anyway ian uh i I think you're right on that point because i've said for a long time for the folks who have followed me on twitter that you know i feel like draft capital is kind of a myth that you know the week before the draft people freak out like oh this team's got 14 picks or the the browns have 13 picks this year because they were dog shit they went one in 31 (laughs) and they have so many draft picks look at this massive we do we sound like browns fans yeah but and, and i've said for a long time not that draft capital is a myth but draft capital is only as good as the people you have making the picks and the coaches you have to develop them. If you don't have good scouts and a good GM and a good coach making the picks, you're going to pick crap players. If you don't have good coaches to develop them, you could pick good players, but then you wind up like the Jacksonville Jaguars and never develop them into anything. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it, yes, I'm happy where we are now. We picked players that I think are good and have potential. Now, it's on the coaches to mold them right. and help them reach that potential. So, yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, for, for a week after the draft, this is the happiest I've been about a whole draft in a long time. Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think I think your point stands that we shouldn't anoint these guys yet, that we got to let them, let them grow, let them work. And, yeah. you know, the other thing, too, is let's not forget, like, some of these – these are young dudes. Like, <laughs> Jones is 22, JPJ yeah. is 22. Like – they're going to be, you know, there's, there's going to be some growing pains over time. They're not going to come in and, and Ike Taylor didn't come in and start his first year. Joey no. Porter senior didn't come in and start no. his first year. Like, you know, guys get better over time and you just want to see that continued progress over time. Yeah. You, you, you done in the Dick LeBeau days, rookies just didn't come in and start. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it just, that's the way it worked. Um, yeah. Different, different era, different time now, but, yeah. um, and so, and- to credit yeah. where it's due too, even though Ben decided not to join us tonight, or his computer decided that he wouldn't join us. Yeah, tonight. something's good. Yeah, one or one or the other. But Ben had been saying for a while on the show that they were going to draft. He thought they were going to draft two cornerbacks, and he was happy enough with the Patrick Peterson signing that if Peterson could be a mentor to whatever two cornerbacks we drafted, um, you know that could probably work out pretty well. 
And lo and behold, we draft Joey Porter Jr. at the top of the second round and uh, Corey Trice in the mm-hmm. seventh round. Um, guys who are physically yeah, kind of similar to Peterson. Mm-hmm. You know, they got mm-hmm. long arms. They're tall. They're they're fast. Um, you know, Peterson, they're not, they're not, not, neither of them are Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson right now is a better player than both those guys are right now. Um, but that being said, if they can learn some things from him, um, you know, and even going back to some of the interviews JPJ did before the draft, he was on that podcast with, uh, Patrick Peterson was like, man, if I get picked by the Steelers, like I'm going to be in your ear all the time trying to just learn everything you can teach me. And I was like, wow, that was a really good answer for a 22 year old kid. Um, so yeah, I I think, you know, we got a, a kid who wants to learn a kid that's got a chip on his shoulder and, uh, you know, has, the the athleticism to be able to turn that potential into something so let's just hope that he can yeah and, and i mean i i think as we were talking about kind of in the opening i think his ability to to start week one um is gonna be right there i expect him to be playing i i think the what's curious about that is what do you do with levi wallace um they're they're obviously going to use him don't get me wrong uh there's a number of specialty packages in which you would use him uh, he does have a little bit of slot nickel uh, corner experience, if you will. Um, but I, I don't know if that's where they want to use him. So I, I'm curious to see how kind of that develops as as training camp goes on. Um, later in the second round, the Steelers selected a guy that uh, was definitely on our radar because the, he was on the Steelers' radar. They were looking at Keanu Benton, the defensive tackle out of Wisconsin. So it did not come as any surprise to anybody who paid attention to this draft prep. Um, have you had a chance, Ian, to take a look at him? <laughs> yeah, I went back and watched some of his senior bowl stuff. And I mean, he was, he was the most dominant guy yeah. the entire week of the senior bowl through practices into the games. And, you know, it's, it's funny though, because what he did at the senior bowl was like the best of his college tape all in one week together that his college tape at Wisconsin was a little inconsistent at times, but then at the senior bowl, it was like something clicked in his head and he was like, this is a job interview. I needed to be the best possible dude I can be every single snap, every single rep in practice. And he really kind of took his game to the next level Mm -hmm. that week. Um, and, And he showed flashes of it at Wisconsin, but like his stats weren't overwhelming at Wisconsin, but I mean, he was almost unblockable at the senior bowl. Like he was, he was like eating up double teams and like getting through guys and looked like a guy who could not only kind of, you know, two gap from the nose tackle spot, but also like be a little bit of a pass rushing force, but like his entire four year college career, he had nine sacks and 19 tackles for loss. Granted, 10 of them came his senior year, but still, um, you know, another right. young guy, he'll be 22 when the season starts. He's 21 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so has still some some time to kind of grow into his frame. Um, you know, good size, six, six three and a half, three ten, um, but still a little growing to do, you know. Yeah. Um long enough arms, uh, but the the burst that he showed off the line at the senior bowl was like the best reps from his college tape all yeah. into one. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, I thought Tomlin's comments uh, this week about Benton were, were very interesting. You know, uh, 
someone asked him in the or in Benton's press conference, he said, you know, t- Coach T told me at the Senior Bowl he had his eye on me. They liked what I was doing, and he told me that you know they needed some more goons. And then somebody asked Tomlin about it. And Tomlin was like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I said that. I'm not going to back down <laughs> from it. But uh, you know, I have a talk with this kid about not making our private conversations public. Right. And uh, and then Tomlin was on. Uh, somebody else's podcast today. I think it was like with Willie Cologne. Willie Cologne was on yeah. it. Yeah. And, uh, and they asked him about that again. And Tom was like, well, you know, really what I want is a guy who plays like Willie Cologne with like controlled aggression. And I'm, I'm listening to this thing. I'm like, Willie Cologne's with so many fucking penalties. <laughs> like a fucking uh, flag machine. Yeah. I know. I was like, I don't, he was I don't not want, controlled, but I, I understand know. what he's saying. I, I don't want I that level Willie, of aggression. He got a lot of rags, but after the way we've got our ass kicked in the trenches the last couple of years, yeah. I want a guy with some attitude up front and I'm, I'm perfectly totally fine with Tomlin saying we, you know, we need some guys with some physicality and some attitude up front. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. fine with it. It didn't, yeah. didn't raise any red flags for no. me. I, I was very happy with it. Scarps, do, do you think that, that he is probably starts primarily as, as a nose then maybe works his way into some specialty packages or, or what do you think? I don't know. I, you know, they got, well, first of all, you know, big Ben's burner was saying Peterson is being a mentor. Like, you know, Benton's come, Benton's coming into a room with cam Hayward, which is great. Larry Ogunjobi has been in this league a long time. Yep. Um, uh, Fehoko, he, he, so, so I look at Fehoko and Benton as, is the two guys plugging up the middle. Um, but you know, we'll see, you know, you are Ian. I, by no means am I a tape expert or anything like that, but I did see his, his senior bowl highlights and, and, and I just, remember thinking like damn this dude like he's like like he's like o-linemen couldn't even get their hands on him like it was really you know it was really like like it was it was clear like this dude was having himself a week um you know i i I don't care tomlin tomlin i've heard him say this to so many rookies and even 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 you know veteran free agents like i don't care where you went drafted i don't care how you got here you're here now like and i think that that's important because this team is definitely young, but the one thing that that they should know is that Steelers football is stopping the run first yep. and foremost, yep. which sets you up for pressure on the edge. Um, and I don't care, I don't care what the dude's name is, where he went to school, as long as he just comes here and does his job. And 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 you know, talking about the O line earlier, hopefully getting back to sort of like that ground, uh, you know, ground and pound. That defensive line for 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 a year for a couple years now they haven't been able to stop the run when it matters most, and that has to be very annoying to them and very yeah. annoying to the to the Rooneys no and anyone else in the organization has been there a long time because that is definitely not Steelers football. The, the the one thing I'll say about his Wisconsin tape versus his Senior Bowl tape, it, it he looked like a guy at times that was bored. He 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 would have just this string of plays he would dominate and then all of a sudden the motor kind of slowed down and obviously that's something you you just can't do with that position in the nfl because if you do you get blown back six yards and and then you're over on the bench standing next to coach uh but so so maybe that's what what the switch flips and and he starts to 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 turn that motor on every play but the talent is amazing Super quick off the ball, like you guys said, has the ability to get through double teams, and um, which is just huge. Keeping keeping our linebackers clean is uh, uh, really job number one a lot of times for those interior guys. 
I think the one other interesting thing, and we, we'll probably talk about this a bit more later, but when Tomlin was asked about uh, Nick Herbig, yeah. um, you know, he said one of the one of the things, you know, we have a lot of respect for Jim Leonard and the scheme he's run at, at Wisconsin, which for Tomlin to say that about a former Ravens player is something. Um, but uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, Tomlin's other point was that Wisconsin runs a very similar defensive scheme to what the Steelers do. Yeah. So when they scout guys from Wisconsin, it's easier for them to kind of be like, okay, how are they going to fit in our yep. system? Because you're seeing them. It's, it's an apples to apples comparison by position almost. Whereas some other guys that play in different schemes, you kind of have to project how well they'll be able to adapt to uh, great point. the Steelers do. So I think with with Benton playing the nose tackle spot in Wisconsin's defense, you know, you can kind of project that a little bit into into our three four. But I think he's he's got a little bit of that um Javon Hargrave to him. Hargrave was a little lighter. Hargrave was faster off the ball than he mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, it, it took Hargrave some time. It took him two years to figure out how to play in the nickel package because he was pretty much just an interior guy but once he figured out how to play in the nickel package and play you know as one of the two down linemen then he was really good at getting getting a push and getting after the passer um and i think it might take benton some time but he's got that burst off the ball that i'm like man if you could use him rotationally in that nickel package like you can get him on the field for a lot more than like 10 to 15 snaps a game yeah i i the the defensive line uh, I guess I'll call it competition or battle is going to be epic this year. There are so many guys in there right now, and yeah, I mean you've got Montrevis Adams, you've got <sighs> Armand Watts, you got Fahoko, you got Demarvin Leal. If he stays at defensive end, right? I, given how the depth chart is right now, I I got to think they're thinking of Leal as an outside linebacker because they just have so many guys on the defensive line right now. Isaiah Loudermilk too. Yep. That. Uh, and not a lot of depth at outside linebacker. So I almost think they have to think of Leal as an outside linebacker. The depth chart make, start, make, just makes no sense. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to really kind of examine that. I mean, Leal, I guess he could be kind of that anchor type edge guy. You know, you use him on, on you know, strong sides of the field type thing. But I, 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 I'm with you. I'm just not really sure where it's all going to shake out. Um Darnell Washington, uh, Ben has been was saying for months his dream was to draft Darnell and turn him into a tackle, um, and and who knows maybe that's what the Steelers are going to do. But uh, as of right now, uh, their plan is to keep him at tight end. Um, as you mentioned, a guy that was thought of as a late first, early second round guy, uh, athletic, big, great motor. Um, you know, probably was underutilized a bit at Georgia because you had the uh, the other tight end Bowers. That kid's amazing, and and so he probably didn't see the ball as much as maybe he could have. So, I, I know I'm excited about him, um, and and what they can do. They they ran a lot of that 12 personnel last year uh, with Zach Gentry. So I see no reason not to not to run it uh, with with Darnell. So Scarps, uh, what'd you think of that pick? You know, I also thought that was another pick with great value. Um, you know, even you know, Omar said it this week. He's, I think he said that they were surprised that he was still there when he was there. And, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes sometimes it just falls the way you want it to fall. Um, so, you know, 
no, you know, no, no, uh, no reason to apologize for right. for, getting, for getting the guy that you liked. Um, you know, I, I said earlier that I, I said earlier that I hate when, and I'm not, I'm not putting potential on him. I, I said that earlier. I don't like what people already like crown someone or put potential on him, but I'm going to say a name. And if he has, if, if he has the type of career that this player would have, I would, again, I would be thrilled. This guy reminds me of Jermaine Gresham. Uh, Gresham was a little bit shorter. Yeah. Gresham was 6'5", 260. And Washington six seven two seventy, so he's a little he's he's a little bit bigger, but he just reminds me of him. He got long long yeah. strides, athletic as hell, and you know I know it's I know it's fun, I know it's fun to you know to yell Muth when he catches the ball. <laughs> but like if they have any sort of creativity, this dude could take a top off a of defense. Like he he yeah. is legit. Um, again, I'm not crowning him. I'm not putting expectations on nope, him. Nope. But he he has he has that fat that it factor, and I really hope they know how to use him. And no disrespect to Connor Hayward, who was who was actually a a, a bright spot last year. Maybe they yeah. made Connor Hayward the true fullback. Um, but and no disrespect to, to to your Michigan guy Zach Gentry, but like Darnell Washington is definitely the most athletic tight end in that room. And I hope they know I hope that they know how to use him, and he puts it all together. And you know, and, and real quick to answer the question by Burner, you know, Gentry's on a one year deal, so it, it's not like getting rid of him would be difficult. Um, you know, the Steelers like having that extra tight end around, and and I, you know, they can just classify uh, Hayward maybe as as an H or even a fullback, as was mentioned, and. Um, so yeah, I, I, they like Gentry. They appreciate the hard work he's put in. He's the, the player he's turned himself into. And I don't think they're going to just be real quick to get rid of him. but let's be honest. He's nothing compared to what Washington can bring to the table. So, um, could he be gone? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Ian, what, what are you looking forward to here with, uh, Mount Washington? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so Darnell Washington is taller has bigger hands has a bigger wingspan and is i'll say more explosive bigger vertical broad jump all that stuff than broderick jones who we took in the first round so now grand they play a different position you know uh washington is 40 pounds lighter so that makes a little bit difference on the speed and the the vertical but like taller bigger hands bigger wingspan like that's incredible. That's ridiculous. Like this dude is huge and has a gigantic catch radius, and yeah, if they if they figure out how to use him correctly, yeah, he can just be an absolute monster, especially in the red zone, um, yeah. where you can line him up wherever you want him in the red zone. I mean, they could line him up at fullback, and some of the blocks he threw on pull blocks and. Yeah. You know, like getting out in space in front of guys like he he blocks like a fullback coming around the the end of the line to be a lead blocker Mm -hmm. and just like blows dudes up like you could put him at fullback and then throw him the ball. You could put him at tight end. You could split him out like what he can do in the red zone for you is incredible and all over the field. But you're right. He just didn't see a lot of targets and he may wind up being the kind of guy that has a better pro career than he did college career just because of who all else was on the field at Georgia that he played with. Um, And it's pretty good talent there. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm really excited for this dude. Um, 
he he's another guy that I mean the way he blocks he blocks with attitude and you know we talked about with Keanu Benton and the you know in the defensive line having some grittiness and toughness the offensive line kind of needs that too and I think both Broderick Jones and Darnell Washington bring that that you know they're not going to get blown off the ball with those guys on the field they're going to be the ones initiating the uh you know initiating the contact Ryan I'm gonna tell you this right now. How many years have we heard Art in the post in a postseason press conference be like, "Oh, we got to run the ball better"? If they don't run the ball better this year, heads should roll, man. Because, oh, yeah. Because yeah. there is absolutely no excuse. Um, and I understand that. And and Casey will touch on this later. Who the offensive coordinator still is? But like, come on, like like every once in a while, you got to get a little bit lucky and draw something up that fucking works. You know, like. Yeah, I mean, hey, they drew up that uh, reverse handoff and around Hayward. Hayward. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. uh, uh, the, the one other thing I'll say, and, and something that Mark you brought up quite a bit last year, um, and I've kind of mentioned it too, was my discomfort with Zach Gentry was that if Fryermuth got hurt, I didn't know if Gentry could be a number one for a, a period of time. So this is a good point. Darnell Washington can definitely be your number one yeah. tight end. And, and Friar Moose, a guy who's had some concussion issues, uh, hasn't really had any other injury issues, but concussion right. issues, especially when they compound themselves, are worrisome. Um, so considering there's those questions with Friar Muth and his availability sometimes, I love the fact that we have a guy who can still be your, your complete number one receiving and blocking threat. Um, or if they want to go heavy, you know, you you if Gentry somehow makes the team, then you put both Gentry and Washington into block at the same time or, or whatever. Like you can limit the times Fryermuth needs to block too, which, which yeah. will also help kind of preserve him. And, and, and look who finally decides to Well, he's us. trying. He, yes. He's he's trying. He's got the uh, dreaded spinning circle spinning yeah. circle of death here. Ben's trying to get in. You know, to Aaron was asking about, you know, did did Moose concussion issue play a factor in that. I don't know how it can't. You know, he's had the issues. Uh, and I think Ian, your point about the fact that if he is out for a game or two, Washington does become a number one. Whereas Gentry, uh, nice guy, but you're not a number one, man. Listen, he's you the know. last person to catch a pass from Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, so show some him respect. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, Mr. Uh, ben Anderson joins us. Uh, he does not look any too thrilled right now. Um, he looks frozen. In, in, in fact, he looks frozen right now. Um, I don't know. Uh, he, he's really frozen. Man, he is. He must fact, be having one of those frozen he's like, cocktails tonight. He's like Ted Williams frozen. He is. Oh. He, is he is the head of Ted. <laughs> He's actually uh, like Casey Kasem frozen. Wasn't Casey frozen? <laughs> I think Casey was frozen. Is like his. Well, yeah, because they, they they couldn't decide who he was going to be buried by. Or wasn't you know, it like wasn't his head missing? Or like his family wouldn't well, give up they, his uh, his head? Here, yeah, here's said, a guy that doesn't have his head on straight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, hopefully uh, Ben will will get in. Uh, other than just a frozen picture here um you know the the Steelers ended up getting that fourth round pick back and they they took Nick Herbig and and I think this is probably where we're gonna start uh I don't want to say disagreeing but just maybe having a little consternation about the picks here um Scarves what was your 
feeling at this selection? Uh, um, I, you know, I, I understand, you know, Tomlin talked about the value of, of drafting brothers and whatnot. And, and yeah, there was a video of TJ Watt, you know, showing them some, you know, showing right. them some moves and whatnot, but I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't have a lot of, uh, I don't have a lot of hope for for this for for the the brother or well, the the younger brother Herbig, yeah. um, but oh we actually forgot about him on the offensive line we haven't mentioned him oh yeah, um, yeah. another depth piece but his his arms are very short um, I don't see in him having huge production doesn't mean he can't be a good special teamer. Uh, you know, I could picture, you know, a guy like him sort of replacing a Derek Watt on teams, you know, sort of like, you know, sort of like little Tasmanian devil on team. Derek Watt was a good special teamer. Um, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, okay. You say he can ball and I'm not saying you're wrong, but like, what do you mean? He could, what do you mean he can ball? Like, what do you, like he had a couple catches last year. Like, I I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just dribble. He's got a good spin move. I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, like. Like, you know, I don't know. Whatever, we'll see. I said it earlier. We'll wait and see. But I, I don't, I don't have high hopes for for the for the for the younger brothers. Her big. Yeah, I, 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 I for me, it's a completely open door. Uh, I just don't know what to expect, Ian. Yeah, and the thing I was looking at too with that pick in the fourth round was. You know, by the time we actually made the pick at at one thirty two, which was the real tail end of the fourth round, yeah, pretty much all the guys that we had kind of scouted were off the board, and yeah. there wasn't a whole lot left. And I was kind of like, eh, you know, maybe they. There was a couple guys. I was like, maybe they'll take this guy. Maybe they'll take that guy. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anyone I loved at that point. And like, when was the last time a Steelers fourth round pick like amounted to a whole lot, you know? Um, yeah. So Ike Taylor. Yeah. Ike Taylor. Willie Gay. Willie, No, Willie Gay was fifth round. Fifth. Yeah. Later round. You're right. Willie Cologne, I think was a fourth rounder. Um, but, but still like, I don't know. Fourth round's kind of a toss up to me. I'm, my philosophy on the draft is always like, First round, you want to get a guy who can start this year. Second and third, you're trying to get guys who are future starters, probably not start this year, but are future starters. Mm-hmm. Fourth, fifth round, you're getting guys who are going to play on special teams immediately. And like maybe you can develop into something as a depth right. piece, or you know, if if you find a diamond in the rough, and then sixth and seventh round, you're basically just drafting guys like that you want maybe to be on the practice squad, but just wanting to make sure you get them instead of having to go through the undrafted free agent process. So like, that's kind of my philosophy on the draft. So by the time you get to the fourth round, especially at pick 132, like most of the big name players were gone. I didn't have a huge issue with it. They needed an outside linebacker. They had to have depth. This, this guy's kind of a tweener that it was, you know, kind of, he's a little light for an outside linebacker. He's not real big so can he put on some weight but like probably doesn't need to put on that much i mean he was at 240 so maybe put Mm -hmm. on like eight pounds or something to get close to 250 but um yeah it's it's fine i don't know it's i I don't love it i don't hate it but it's a fourth round pick so like 
I don't know. You know, if there was a fourth round pick that like this guy's such a steal, it'd be like, well, there's probably a reason he went in the fourth round too. Yeah, I I wasn't at first. I thought, okay, are they going to maybe make him an inside backer? That that was my first kind of thought, and and then when they uh, Denzel Martin basically said, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start him on, on the outside. You know, I, I mean, I like his motor. Don't get me wrong. There's something to be said for that. But at the same time, you're right. You got to have some weight. The lack of length in his arms is a concern. Um, you know, and he was able to get away with some things at the Big Ten level, which he's not going to get away with in the NFL. So I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was thinking when they got towards that pick, I was thinking that's where they doubled up on the corner. Um, or maybe that was where they went with the receiver, but, uh, you know, they went with, uh, the linebacker there, you know? Yeah. They had of the guys left on the board. They had had Darius rush from South Carolina in for a visit. Um, yep. and, and wide receiver, Charlie Jones from Purdue, who they had in for a visit, went to the Bengals and picked right above them. So, yep. You know, maybe they were looking at him. Um, you know, there was a couple quarterbacks still on the board that they had scouted like yeah tune from houston um then they wound up getting a, a the guy from minnesota as an undrafted free agent because they, they need a third one they probably need yeah. a fourth one too yeah, just for training right. camp um is he a bonakinda from from pit um you know they they he was like the only running back they even looked at in the draft process they weren't even mm-hmm. really looking at running backs at all but by by that point in the fourth round I don't know. This was a weird draft too. We we talked about this a little bit on yes. Slack that like there were guys who went in the the third round that we were like those are fifth round guys, and then there were guys who you know went in like the second round who we thought were like fifth or sixth round guys. And it, it, it's like Stetson every, Bennett went in the fourth. It's round. It's like the like, whole like like everybody that was a undrafted free agent, seventh, sixth round. It's like they all just got on an elevator and went up like two or three floors. Yeah, you know, I just I couldn't believe how high some of these guys were going and i you know obviously we could have had them evaluated a little bit incorrectly but uh that means everybody did because everybody was saying the same thing so um no fifth no sixth round pick the steelers took cornerback Corey trice um out of uh, purdue and and again very comparable to porter good size good speed little grabby his thing, uh, most people had him as a third-round talent, but he's got a, a, an injury history uh, that's kept him off the field at times. I really think if he stays healthy, he's going to be a player. Mm-hmm. I, I just got a feeling, this kid. I, I, I And that's all I'll say. I'm not going to make any predictions. I just, If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be around for a little while. Scarps? Yeah, I mean – He's long, he's raw, he could be coached. Um, You know, and I was looking back on this, like the Steelers have actually had some success in the seventh round um, over the years. Uh, Kelvin Beecham was a seventh round pick. Uh, He's still in the league. And then a year later, they drafted Nick Williams out of Samford, and he's still in the league. Um, Mm -hmm. That blows my mind. But then um, it took some time, but Tyler Matakevich, was a seventh round pick. He's a special teams demon in Buffalo. Yep. Then you got Carlos Davis, who's still, I believe, in the league, or at least bumping around. Then you got he, Trey he Norwood, yeah. Presley Harvin the third, uh, Mark Robinson last year. So, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens. Right. You never right. know. 
and I know I've said this the whole time, but you you never you know, and you could be an injury away from making a roster or an injury away from getting an opportunity to make a roster. No um, doubt about it. And you know, I don't I don't know you know what their plans are for him, but you know, a guy like a Kella Weather a Kella Weatherspoon who you know had a had a really nice end of the 2021 season mm-hmm. and got a got a got another deal he's probably not going to be on this roster um so then it just sort of becomes like who can you be better than and what can you do better than others can you play on teams you know we talk about it all the time that a lot of times these decisions come down to that fourth third well it used to be fourth but on the third preseason yeah. game and are you playing on teams, Aaron Gilbert, Thaddeus Gibson? He was a fourth rounder. Doug Worthington was the seventh rounder. Come on, get it right. <laughs> Fuck, dude. No, I'm just teasing. But um, but no, I I don't know. But I mean, you could you might be right. They've had success over the years. You, you still got a guy, you know, Kelvin Beecham, Nick Williams are still playing in this league, it, it, and they were it, drafted it, almost ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. I I think when you throw in the fact that they're still relatively thin at corner. I mean, when I look at Pierre and Witherspoon, I, I don't exactly get inspired. Um, and, and so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the kid can do. Uh, what are your thoughts, Ian? Yeah, and, and I think the other thing about Trice, too, that they liked is he seems he played a little bit of safety in college, too, so he could play both corner and safety if needed. Um, you know, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Somewhat impressively, he had – 12 passes defended last year and only one pass interference penalty um so yeah and and had some really good athletic testing numbers um you know 63206 ran a ran 4.47 in the 40 6.7 in the three cone drill which is insanely good um so yeah pretty good numbers but like ryan said he's raw um a little grabby but mm-hmm. he's got those like with jpj Yep. He's got those things you can't teach. He's got height. He's got speed. He's got long arms. You can't teach those things. You can teach technique. Can he learn technique? That's a different story. But you can teach technique. Um, so, you know, he's got the he's got the intangibles. Now mm-hmm. he's just got to get the, you know, the technique down. Damn, um, man. But ben, I, I like ben the got lo-fi. Here. What the- <laughs> yeah, there ain't no high or, or Wi-Fi there. It's lo-fi. Uh, no-fi. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no-fi. Uh, really, the only head-scratcher to me, I mean, you could make the argument about Herbig, but taking Spencer Anderson with the, their final pick in the seventh round, uh, guard with some center experience, actually some tackle experience too, and we know how the Steelers love versatility on the offensive line. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm a Spencer Anderson expert by any stretch of the, uh, imagination. I watched a little bit of him. you know, nice player, but I think he's probably destined for the practice squad. Uh, Ian, what do you think? Yeah, I saw that pick and I was like, who's that guy? Um, uh, not really on my radar at all, but we know that they were scouting guys that had, you know, guard center sort of swing lineman, um, type potential. And at that point in the draft, I mean, that was that was pick number what two fifty one. I mean, yeah, they were within the last ten picks of the draft there. So, um, yeah, those those kind of picks usually don't hit on much. But hey, you never know. Yeah. Um, bring bring them in, let them compete. They've really stacked up the line, and I think broadly speaking, it kind of speaks to the philosophy that uh, you know Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, Mike Tomlin, the the I'll call it the new front office, even though. 
you know Tomlin's same. Know mean, yeah. But the the new front office has adopted of really trying to to build this team from the inside out, right? That we signed. Yep. Three offensive linemen in free agency. We drafted two more plus a tight end who's a damn good blocker. Uh, we signed two defensive linemen in free agency, drafted another one, signed three inside linebackers in free agency. Um, and then, you know, really have tried to address some positions of need where we made a trade for a number three wide receiver that cost us nothing in draft capital basically we just moved down like 10 picks um and then signed you know another nickel corner in sullivan during the draft um signed another safety in keanu neal who's kind of a box safety and drafted two corners so not only have they kind of tried to build this team from the inside out they've also really addressed their positions of need that it was like we were a bad pass defense last year so we're gonna you know sign three defensive backs and draft two more i mean maybe they're good maybe they wind up being good players maybe they're not but you can't fault the front office for at least exactly addressing the Address, need right yes. they have they have at least signed guys at the positions where they needed to we'll see if they're good but they at least tried to address the the holes that they saw just you know but before we get to casey and and wrap things up um you know you you mentioned the sullivan guy they they signed from Minnesota, you know, I, I think it's very, very easy to just say, you know, who's this guy? Minnesota's pass defense was terrible. Yeah. Well, let's not forget. Sometimes it's the coaching, it's the system. Um, you know, maybe he comes over here, he gets a little rebirth and plays pretty well. He's, he's predominantly a slot guy. Uh, so we'll, we'll see, you know, jury's out, so to speak. And then, uh, the, you know, the other guy you mentioned earlier, was Tanner Morgan, the quarterback from Minnesota, signing as a f- undrafted free agent? You know, tons of experience. Um, you know, played under a couple of different coaches, uh, PJ Fleck, uh, and and some two or three different offensive coordinators. So, pretty seasoned kid. Played through injury. I, I mean, I think he's perfect as a third QB option. But I, I also agree they'll bring in somebody else too, uh, for sure. Um, Ryan is uh, Casey Kasem. Hey, he's here. He's around. Yep. Well, yeah. like, G- like Jesus, he's always around. Say, he's always with you. I have <clears throat> I haven't done this voice in a while. <laughs> uh, Casey's coast to coast, American top forty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the week that was May fourth, nineteen eighty eight. Ryan from Pittsburgh, right? Dear Casey, Omar Khan is the goat. On God, there has never been a general manager quite like him. And there will never will be. Kevin Colbert, who? He absolutely fleeced the Bears by giving up Chase Claypool and in turn drafted Joey Porter Jr. No general manager in the history of sports has ever made such a forward-thinking move. Let it be known that his first draft, 2023, is already better than the Steelers' 1974 draft, which included (laughs) four Hall of Famers. Are we sure Omar isn't a time traveler and actually called the shots for the Steelers back in 74? Casey, I, of course, am being sarcastic. I am. But Steelers Twitter is not. They told me over the past week that Omar is, in fact, the greatest general manager of all time. Recency bias is a hell of a drug. (laughs) How soon we we forget the incredible run for former Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert had from 2004 to 2021. No losing seasons, multiple Super Bowl and AFC North championships, drafted Hall of Famers, 
brought in pro bowlers and all pros via free agency. But to hell with that guy. <laughs> Hang on. Let me tweet Omar with a goat emoji so I can get a bunch of likes and retweets from people with an avatar <laughs> oh. of George Pickens wearing a ski mask while looking at the television of him being drafted last year. <laughs> in all seriousness, this, in all seriousness, Casey, the Steelers 2023 draft on paper looks quite good. I've always been a wait-and-see kind of person, so I'll withhold my judgment for a few years. Again, don't tell Steelers Twitter that. That wouldn't be bussin'. No cap. <laughs> I hate myself. Casey, on draft night, I was hoping the Steelers could find a team to take Matt Canada. I heard rumors that the Pittsburgh Maulers were interested, but the Steelers simply couldn't take a 100th round pick in return. Canada's draft value is actually negative. You couldn't even give them away at this point. As long as Canada is running the show, it's going to be nothing but shattered dreams. Ryan, you connect the dots better than anyone that's ever written me a letter. Moving up seven spots this week to number eight, here's Johnny Hates Jazz off their album Turn Back the Clock with Shattered Dream. Wow. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done indeed. Not bad for 10 minutes before showtime. The, the lack but, of sleep from fatherhood has not slowed you down. No, no. Cruising right along, man. Uh Real quick on George's question about uh, the, the the young man that they signed out of the XFL. Uh, hey, Butler? Yeah. He's a body. <laughs> he's right a, now he's, he's a, a body. big dude. He's a big yeah. target. Yep. He was yep. a first-round pick in the NFL draft, wasn't he, and didn't work out? Uh, was he, God, was he a first? What? Or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Am I thinking of somebody else? I, I know he was very highly touted coming out, and I don't know why it didn't work, but – you know he's put up some. Oh really no, nice no, no, no! He was he, he was a fourth rounder. Never mind. Okay. He was he came out of Iowa State. I remember. Yeah. Um, but oh, he's yeah six five two twenty five. He's a big dude. Yeah, he's a big, yeah. big dude. There there were a lot of people that year said he was under draft. Like he he fell for some like mm-hmm. people thought he should have been drafted a lot higher. Um, if you go you back know, to like pre draft rankings from twenty nineteen, I I think I think it doesn't hurt anything to have him in um you sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle um a, a guy that's maybe felt like he's been uh uh dissed a little bit in the nfl now he's getting another chance and and who knows you know as as was said earlier guys with chips on their shoulders can sometimes be pretty damn good um anyway so that's uh the latest from us on the draft we'll start looking ahead probably to some some roster stuff as they've got what what is it ian about 86 87 guys under contract right now yeah they've got rookie mini camp coming up next yeah. week so that i think they'll probably invite some guys and maybe sign a couple off of that and then right you know i think they said kind of by the time you know they hit the real mini camps in june they want to have the the full 90 man roster right. the other thing though i gotta say uh next thursday i believe is the nfl schedule reveal yes so we will yes. be on the show uh, right is, after yeah. the schedule Ooh, comes out maybe thursday. we'll be talking that instead yes. of rosters so yeah yes. that's right the schedule release always a could big the, uh big day for for fans could uh, the steelers host a home opener i i for yes, the first time since yes, 2014 I, I tweeted about this a yes. while ago cuz the buckos are actually on the road that weekend so they could host a home yep. opener this year i think it's going to happen it's been too damn long it's going to be a home opener cincinnati um, 
Well, I, I always do my schedule prediction time. post. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I usually, I, I always do. I always do a mock schedule. I, I get one yeah. right every year. It's pathetic. exactly. <laughs> if I get one, I'm thrilled. Um, anyway, but yeah, we'll have that to talk about too. But uh, anyway, thanks everybody for uh, jumping on the show. Thanks to all of our listeners and our viewers, regardless of whether you're on live or you watch later. Uh, make sure you check out the site, steelcityblitz.com, and follow us on Twitter at SCBlitz, the podcast at SCB underscore podcast. Um, and, uh, well, you've seen our handles on there all night. But anyway, thanks so much for being with us, guys. We, we really appreciate it, and we will see you next Thursday. This has been the SCB Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. And, hey, go Steelers. Hey, the Ravens suck. Fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs>